0: So we've the pre- we've had a precious um, time with these guys. Chuck and Taran, head up Vineyard Scotland. And it is an absolute pleasure for them, a privilege for them to be here. We are very blessed to have them here. And they are friends um, as well as inspiring leaders that we've journeyed with for 18 plus years. And we just love them to bits. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it is utterly utterly brilliant to be here. I'm an emotional wreck. I'm sure you are all as well I, and I don't know how I'm going to get through this uh, having experienced just the, the thankfulness and, and the emotion of the day so far. I feel very nervous about the number of uh, slip, trip hazards, slip hazards that are present here and the chance of me still standing on my feet for half an hour is like quite slim but it's, it's really, really good to be here. Uh, and um, it 's actually very, very inspiring I, like I, th- what you 're experiencing is normal for you, but it 's not normal for many people y- you know for, for a church to start and be and look like this after six years, two or three of which having been a pandemic, sorry to mention that uh, uh, is not normal and and so that 's a really a reflection on what god 's doing amongst you uh, it 's a reflection on the remarkable leadership of Thomas and mary <laughs> And uh, it's very inspiring. And and so you should be thankful. And if you're just visiting today, you got really lucky because this is a great church. I can recommend it. Uh, I know that they'd look after you really well. Uh, And so it's all good. It's all good. Shall we pray together? And so, Lord, we're just submitting to you, to your authority, to your word. We love you. We want to live our lives according to your ways and your patterns and your plans. And so we pray that as we open up the scriptures this morning, you would come by your spirit and do a work at the core of who we are. And we just take nothing off the table. You can speak into anything that you see. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know whether you realize it, but but we're living in a moment in our history where there's a remarkable openness to the good news of Jesus. I don't know whether you can experience that, whether you have experienced that. We, um, just last Sunday night in, in our church, uh, there was a, a young couple at the church. We'd never seen them before. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, they seem to enjoy themselves. And, and at the end of the service, pretty much probably like you do here, had some ministry time. They came forward for ministry. They were prayed for. And it turns out that, that he uh, hadn't been in church for years and she had never been in church in her life before. Uh, and she was a Muslim, uh, and, and she just had, they'd both been walking past the doors of our church. They'd heard the music. They felt compelled to come in, and they were remarkably open to what, what was happening in that room. Uh, this Thursday, so just a few days ago, we had one of our newcomers' dinners, which I'm sure you have similar things here. And I was sat next to two people who were confirmed atheists. And, and one of them had been given a Bible eight weeks ago. And I said, oh, how long have you been around our church for? He said, eight weeks. But I'm sorry, I did miss one week. He said, I was unwell one week. But I've, I've been all the other seven weeks. And I was like, wow, what's making you come back? He just said, I just feel compelled to be here. And so, I, I, like I said, I mean, these are anecdotal things. But, but uh, it seems to me that we're living in a moment of remarkable openness to the good news of Jesus. This is a great moment to be the church. This is a great moment to to be carrying some hope and to be sharing the hope that we that we have. And, um uh, maybe it's because we've, as a, as a world, we're just experiencing crisis upon crisis upon crisis, aren't we? There's a, you know, we had a global health crisis, we've had a global economic crisis, a global supply crisis, an environmental crisis, a mental health crisis, and now more recently the war in Ukraine and, and of course, the, the conflict in Gaza that's happening right now. It's like a global affairs crisis, uh, and it's like the whole world is being shaken, And people are living with a level of anxiety and fear that they're not used to. And so they're looking for hope. And we have hope. And so this is a great moment to be the church. And so I want to speak this morning about being the church. What what does it mean to be the church? What does a normal church look like? And we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 14, and so if you've got a Bible with you, now would be a great moment to produce it. I will say that I'm using my wife's Bible this morning, and so only half of it actually is the Bible, because the rest of it is like, you know, other notes and shrapnel and stuff like that. And so only half of it is authoritative and scriptural, the rest of it is just like other bits. But... uh, so, so just, uh, just while you're turning to it, let me explain the background of what we're about to read. So the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they've been commissioned by the church in Antioch to go and take the good news of Jesus to people who've never heard it before. And so they, they go on what, what we call now put their first missionary journey. And as they're going along, they, they first go to Cyprus, and then they go to Pisidian, Antioch, and then Iconium, and then Lystra. And we're just about to jump into where, where they are in Lystra. And and, uh, things start to take a slightly strange turn. So Acts chapter 14, verse 19. It's temporarily gone missing from my wife's Bible. There you go. It says this, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking that he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church And with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attalia. From Attalia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And that's the scripture for today. Uh, Taryn and I have, t- have three teenage kids. In fact, one of them is 20 now, so he's no longer a teenager, praise the Lord. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, quite recently, we, we were going to go out for some lunch together, and so we kind of, you know, sounded the alarm, hey, everyone, get ready, we're going to go for lunch, and then all you could hear was like hair dryers and, the you know, the banging of wardrobe doors, and they were kind of all making themselves look beautiful, and then we collected down by the front door, and uh, they all, all three of them had big hair, and uh, like... Uh, really baggy T-shirts that were way too big for them. And, uh, you know, this is like what passes for fashion with the young people, apparently. And really, really baggy jeans that didn't go quite all the way down to their ankles. And then you could see these kind of stripy socks underneath. And then they had these big, bulbous trainers on that they could hardly walk in. And, and uh, you know, like loads of jewelry and, and all this kind of stuff. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, don't say it, don't say it. But I'm r- actually thinking, I didn't realize we we're going in fancy dress today you know um and then my kids turned to me and and i i'm wearing like pretty much what i'm wearing right now and they were like dad i cannot believe that you're going out of the house looking like that (laughs) and then they said dad you are so not normal It's amazing what passes for normal, isn't it? It's actually very hard to tell what's normal these days. It's just very confusing. It's a confusing time to live. I want to speak about what a normal church is because it's actually very confusing to figure out what a normal church is. Uh, Let me kind of explain. You know, you could go to any vineyard church on the face of the earth, and the first few verses that we read there would be a moment that would be quite familiar to us. You know, there's the Apostle Paul. He's, he's uh, injured, you know. Uh, this actually may be the, uh, a moment where the Apostle Paul's been raised from the dead. It's not immediately clear, but he clearly looks dead. And, and it's, uh, what it says, that's kind of verse 18 or something like that. Verse 19 or verse 20, it says... They gathered, the, the believers gathered around him. And then in my Bible, there's a comma. And then it says, he got up and went back into the city. And in the vineyard, we love that comma because that's really familiar to us, isn't it? You know, like we, that's what we do. We gather around broken people, hurting people, sick people, sometimes even dying people. And we lay our hands on them and we pray for them. And sometimes God does. A remarkable thing sometimes the kingdom breaks in sometimes it doesn 't, but we we 're familiar with that comma that 's normal life to us uh, and it 's frustrating that there 's frustratingly little detail about what actually happened in the comma, but we love it it 's familiar to us um, uh, that 's all well and good uh, and we, we measure actually don 't we uh, what 's normal in terms of praying for people and and uh, uh, the Ministry of Healing and so on, we, we've, we've, we've learned that this is our training manual. And, and so we measure what we do by this book. And we say, well, well listen, uh, I want to try and learn what it looks like to pray for people and see them heal. I need to try and understand how this all works. And so we look at the book. And so we might come across, for example, John chapter 5, where Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda. And there's a man who's not walked for 38 years. And Jesus heals him. And then Jesus explains, he says, I only do what I see my father doing. And so we're like, we lodge that away. You know, okay, we only do what we see our father doing. Or we might read Matthew 10. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Or Acts chapter 3. You know, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And so we'll maybe try that one out and see how that goes. But all the time we're measuring our practice by the book, aren't we? We're saying this is normal. This is what normal Christianity looks like. This is what normal ministry looks like. And so I'm going to measure what I do according to the book. And if, if what I'm doing doesn't look like what the book, what happens in the book, then I'm the one who's not normal. And the book is, is the normal one. And so we're kind of familiar with that. What, uh, the, I suppose the challenge that I'm experiencing in my own heart at the moment is that, I'm, yes, I'm desperate for the kind of ministry that you see in the text. I'm desperate for a normal ministry, but I also want a normal church. Because, you know, I, I, love, I love the kind of laying hands on people and seeing what God might do. But I also want the kind of church that exists in the New Testament, that a growing, fruitful, healthy church. You, you know, the kind of church that, that has an impact in its community, the kind of church that sees people who have never met Jesus before connecting with him for the first time. Um, I want verses 19 to 20, but I also want verses 21 to 28, where the church spreads like wildfire from Iconium to Lystra to Derbe and beyond. Um, I'm increasingly convinced that the only type of church that exists in the New Testament is a growing, fruitful, spreading, multiplying, planting church. You know, Acts chapter 1, there were 120 people. Acts chapter 2, 3,120 Acts chapter 4, there were 5,000 men, and so it goes on. And so I said, Lord, please would you give us a normal church? And what we experience right now in Scotland is not normal. And so we want something to shift. And so what does this passage teach us about what a normal church looks like? What kinds of things do you have to do or do you have to have if you want a normal church? Uh, And I've got three things. The first thing is I need a normal message. I need a normal message. I became a Christian when I was 15, and I hadn't grown up in a Christian home. And so there was a particular shop on the high street near where I lived that I'd never noticed before, which was the Christian bookshop. And so I went into the Christian bookshop, and it like a whole new world opened up to me. And it turned out that they didn't only sell books, they also sold T-shirts. And so, like, I really went to town on the T-shirts. I, I had one T-shirt. It looked like it said heavy metal. And then you got a bit closer to it, and it actually said heavenly metal. Do you see, Do you see what they did there? And there was another one I got. It was black with red writing, and it said worship the best. Uh, the problem was that after I'd washed it a few times, it looked more like it said worship the beast. And so it was like sort of communicating a message that I wasn't intended to communicate. Anyway, so alongside the T-shirts there, there were also these fridge magnets and, and, you know, like with Bible verses on, encouraging Bible verses. And so the idea was you take some of these Bible verses, you stick them on your fridge, you look at them every day, they'll do you good. And, and verses like, you know, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Or, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And so, you, you know, you could take some of these fridge magnets, stick them on your fridge, they'll do you good. Well, do you know, the strange thing is, Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're traveling around. And as they're traveling around, it says that they're preaching the same sermon in all of the different places. And, and there's a particular message that is contained within all of those sermons. And actually, we've got the punchline here. And it's in verse Verse 22. And and it actually says, specifically, they're going around bringing strength and encouragement to the churches. And so, are you ready for a real fridge magnet verse, something that's going to really do you good? Here you go. Verse 22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Well, thank you so much for coming, Paul. Please never visit us again. You know, it's like, does it sound encouraging, doesn't it? We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But do you know it's the whole gospel? You know, so often when we communicate the gospel, we say half a gospel, which is, good news, everyone, you can enter the kingdom of God. And then we try to kind of lower the bar as low as possible. Just blink if you want to become a Christian. You know, it's like just, it's just you can slip into the kingdom of God. And we forget the first bit. You must go through many hardships that enter the kingdom of God. In other words, there's a cost to pay. Being a disciple of Jesus is a remarkable, beautiful thing in which so many good things come into my life, but there is also a cost to pay. And actually, that's the teaching of Jesus, isn't it? If you stop to think about it for a moment, Mark 8, 34, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Or the following verse, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. That's the gospel. A, a few years ago, my wife Taryn was invited to go with, with her friend to a place where it's very dangerous to be a Christian in Central Asia. And we're talking about a state that is kind of dominated by these two um, uh, kind of really significant uh, evil forces in a way, kind of militarized communism and radicalized Islam. And so it's a, like, a, you know, even just to be found in possession with, of one of these books is, is, is a, a, a dangerous thing that could result in anything f- from you losing your job all the way through to torture or, or even death. And, and so when she said, oh, I've been invited to go and, and, and just, you know, pray with them and encourage them, I was like, not delighted, you, you know, maybe somebody else could go, and and so she goes along there, and, and um, like there was one moment, we could only communicate by text, and, and so she's texting, she's like, I'm in the car, I'm on the way to a particular place to meet these people, and then she went, oh, please pray, we've been stopped by the police, and then there were no text messages for four hours, and I was thinking, oh my word, like what on earth's happened, and, and then thankfully, she said, oh, no, it's okay, we're fine, we're on our way. But but like this is this is a scary place, and so she comes back and uh, after maybe two or three weeks over there, and and the story that she told was these are people who love Jesus in the most remarkable way, and also they're seeing God do incredible things in terms of physical healings, and also they're seeing many 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 people come to know Jesus. And so if you were to go to them with that particular Fridge Magnet verse and say, you must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they would say, tell us about it. That's our experience. So they're experiencing normal Christianity and they're, they're listening to and believing a normal message. What we're experiencing in the West is not normal. And so we need to ask ourselves, where's the cost? And maybe today for some of us, it, there's an opportunity for us to believe again the true gospel and to make a decision to pay the cost and to start to think about what choices you would be willing to make and what things you'd be willing to put on the table, What you know, perhaps where you live, what job you do, who you hang out with, how you spend your money, how you use your money, how you use your time and just say, God, I'm actually willing to pay whatever cost it would take because I want to be a true disciple, a normal disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. I need to believe a normal message. The second thing we need is normal disciples. So here's a kind of a rough paraphrase of what happens in this passage, and and in Acts chapter 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas, they leave Antioch, they go to Cyprus, then Pisidian, Antioch, then Iconium, then Lystra, then Derbe, and then everywhere they go, they preach the gospel, and and I I guess there's some kind of altar call, you know, like everyone's got their eyes closed. If you would like to become a Christian this morning, just stick up your hand where you are, and then people are sticking up their hands, or maybe they're inviting them through to another room, or maybe they're just inviting them to come to the front, or whatever it is, but loads and loads to people are becoming Christians. You see that in verse 21, just one example. They preach the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. And so everywhere they go, people are becoming Christians, which is brilliant. And so perhaps there they are in Lystra, and you've got Harry, Barry, Sally, Barbara, you know they become Christians, uh, and uh, it's like welcome to the kingdom, welcome to the church. This is your new family, and they're celebrating. And then Paul and Barnabas they have to go off to the next place, and and then uh, and then what actually happens is, having visited all these places, and all of these people have become Christians, uh, they turn around and they go back to the places that they went before, and it says that they appointed elders for the for the churches in each place. And so, I just want us to just inhabit that moment, that, that, that situation for a moment. so there you've got Harry, what did I say? Harry, Barry, Sally, and Barbara. you know they're like, Paul Barnabas, great to see you. How long's it been? like two weeks, three weeks, yeah, that's right. You know the scholars think that the whole missionary journey is maybe nine months, something like that. So uh, you know these people they've been Christians for weeks, m- months at the most, and here they are, and then and Paul and Barnabas say great to see you guys. Hey, just to let you know, Harry, Barry, Sally and Barbara, you're now the leaders of your church. And you can imagine Harry, Barry, Sally and Barbara saying, no, 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 like we've been Christians for like a few weeks. This is inappropriate. This is like irresponsible. There must be somebody else. And, and Paul and Barnabas are like, there isn't anyone else. It's you. You're it. You're now the leaders of your church. Let's just allow ourselves to just be outraged a little bit by that and then to realize that maybe that's how God actually works. Maybe he calls us to do things that seem impossible or irresponsible. Maybe he trusts us way more than we trust, we trust ourselves. You know, if there's one thing that we can say for certain, these disciples are being deployed way more, uh, way before they feel ready. And so maybe there are people in this room this morning who feel a sense of call to something, but you're like, I'm not ready. This is too big. And maybe that's to start a business or to start a life group. Maybe that's to plant a church or to, you know, to become a police officer or a teacher or whatever it is. Whatever it is that you think God might be asking of you, and the conversation that's been going on in your head is, I will do that just later when I'm ready, when I'm, you know, everything that I'm supposed to be. And God maybe is saying this morning, no, 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 no. If Harry, Barry, Sally, and Barbara can be the elders of their church, then you can do whatever it is that God is asking you to do right now. To be a church, to be a normal church, we need a normal message. Also, we need normal disciples. And then lastly, um, we need a normal sense of urgency. I'd love to just share with you a little bit of the story of our church, because in some ways, the story of your church six years ago um, has its origins in what God has been doing in our church. as our church started to grow we kind of run out of space and, and we tried to resolve that space issue in a bunch of different ways. We started an evening service and we said, you know, if if you don't mind coming in at night, that'd be really great, because then we could give your morning seat to somebody else and that worked for a little bit and then the morning kind of filled up again. And so we tried to get planning permission to extend our building and then that was going to cost 1.8 million pounds and so we couldn't do that. Uh, and so we tried to buy a casino which I was really excited about, because I was like, you you know on the TV news or on the newspapers, they are always talking about churches being converted into pubs and nightclubs, and I wanted to be on the TV news, like, we're taking one back for God, (laughs) you know. But they sold it to somebody else, and and then we tried to buy a warehouse, and then we tried to buy a disused church and all these kinds of things, and nothing was really uh, working. And so um, I had a friend who was leading a Pentecostal church down the road, and uh, they had a spare building, Uh, And and so I was like, could we just borrow that building as a kind of overflow building and we'll just have a 10 o'clock service in one building and an 11 o'clock service in the other building. Whoever's preaching could just run down the road to the next one and and, just preach again. And we just thought we'll just do that for a while while we we get this bigger building because all we had in our hearts and minds was just need a bigger space. And so um, I arrive, having preached in one service the first Sunday, I arrive at the next building, I've realized I've made a terrible mistake because I haven't done any exercise since I was at school. And so I arrive looking like I'm going to have a heart attack, sweat pouring off me, hardly able, able to breathe and the lady on the door she says welcome to catalyst vineyard is this your first time and i was like no i'm sort of like the pastor and and it turns out it was her second week but she was like they need me here there's a mission that i could be involved in and so she was on the welcome team and then there were people in the in the worship band I didn't even know they played an instrument. And to be honest, they barely did play an instrument. <laughs> but they, they'd seen, like, there's a guitar under my bed. I could use this for the kingdom. And so, it, you know, they blowing the dust off. And so uh, they, were, they were doing that. And then there were people in the, uh, serving the teas and coffees at the end. And we knew for a fact that they'd been on the back row and edging their way towards the back door. And suddenly they were like... Um, I'm needed here, actually. I'm not going to leave this church. I'm going to get right to the heart of it. And, and so it, it's like this uh, community was formed around the mission of our church, which is really remarkable. And more importantly than all of those things, people started to become Christians in that space just as much as they were in the other one. And so we just knew it was the Lord. And, and the truth is, like uh, I was saying to some of the leaders yesterday, at every turn, where we could have gone one way or the other and we would have chosen left, the Lord told us to go right, you know. So, so we can't take any of the credit for any of this because we've, we've been bewildered at every, at every turn. But essentially we just knew this is a way to reach a whole community, a whole region with the good news of Jesus. And so now that we had two locations, we were like, what would it look like to start other new locations in other parts of the, uh, the shire, you know, the, the, our particular corner of, of Aberdeenshire? And so um, uh, the church gave a ridiculous amount of money towards that. And so within a short time, we were spinning out these other new locations. And, and uh, we're now up to eight different locations all around the northeast of Scotland and beyond. And then, uh, and then the Lord started to speak to us about church planting. And in theory, church planting was a great idea uh, what was bad about it is that Thomas and Mary decided they were going to be the first ones to go. And we weren't ready for that, and we didn't want them to go, and it was incredibly painful, and it came at a really significant cost. But we all recognized the Lord was in this thing, and so we sent them to Inverness with a, with a team of people, some of whom are in the room, and, uh, you know, that's when your story began. And then we carried on sending out other churches, and so, so far there have been seven other churches um, you know, all the way to Greenock and Orkney and and Dundee and other places, which has been really, really wild. Um, (laughs) But... You know, people say, oh, it's amazing what's happening. And, and I'm like, yeah, to be honest, it is amazing, but it's also a bit like the Eiffel Tower. You know, it looks really impressive from a distance. And then the closer you get to the Eiffel Tower, you realize that the Eiffel Tower is mainly gaps. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's mainly air. And, and so that's basically what our church is. But, but my point is that the backdrop to that story that's, that's, you know, taken place over the last number of years is a set of statistics that have broken our hearts. Uh, In 2002, just before we moved to Scotland, uh, we came across this book and it was a set of statistics about church attendance in Scotland. Some of you may have seen it. But at that point in 2002, they did a particular count on a particular day and they reckoned there were 572,000 Christians in church on a particular Sunday in May 2002, I think it was. And then they did the same um, survey in 2016 And it was no longer 572,000, it was 390,000. And so in the course of those 14 years, almost exactly one-third of the church in Scotland has disappeared. And it's not actually that people, it's mainly not people deciding to not bother with church, it's mainly people literally dying. You know, so the church just getting older and older and dropping off the twig at the end. And so that's our story, that's the context for what you're doing right now. And so you see the urgency in Paul and Barnabas. they're like we, you know we're going from from uh, Antioch, we're going to go to Cyprus, then Pisidian Antioch, Iconium Lystra, Derbe, and we're going to communicate the good news of Jesus to as many people as possible and we're going to plant as many churches as we can and we're going to raise as many disciples as we can and we're going to communicate the, the normal message in all of these things because it's too important because God's heart is for lost people and so there's an urgency in the heart of God for lost people that uh, when people when you get close to God you experience the same urgency in your own heart and that's what's happening for Paul and Barnabas and that is what should be happening for us too And so this isn't kind of an abstract concept or a nice idea. There's an urgency in the heart of God for lost people. And can I tell you, there are lost people all over the highlands. And so that's why it's really, really important that you guys become a normal church. And so I don't know how you see that playing out. I can imagine new life groups being started to make a home for people who don't know Jesus and and who are coming to faith and new uh, missional activities and mission expressions and new sites perhaps or new churches being planted in, you know, I'm thinking, Oban and Fort William and, and Ullapool and all of these places where it's like, how far do you have to drive to go to a really great life-giving church where they communicate the good news of Jesus, raise disciples, lay their hands on the sick, have intimate worship and all of these kinds of things. It's like, you know, uh, we might think, well, that would be a nice idea, but there's an urgency in the heart of God to see lost people saved and, and made, uh, kind of formed into disciples and, and rooted in local churches. And so what we see in this passage is the building of a legacy. And so I felt, you know, uh, as we were praying and, and, and asking the Lord what we should bring today, I felt like the Lord would bring a challenge to you today. It's how far will you go? What cost will you pay? What will you put on the table? And what will you start? And what will your legacy be? You know, six years, brilliant. Look what's been accomplished in six years. What could you accomplish in 60 years? And maybe if we all play our part, you know, uh, you know the vineyard in various places around Scotland, as well as the, the Episcopal Church and the Church of Scotland and, and the Baptists and the uh, Pentecostals, if we all play our part, then perhaps we'll see a new future being written for the Church in Scotland in our lifetime. May it be so. Why don't we stand?